we are in a series as a church called DNA. We're talking about the traits of a disciple. Like what, if we were to start following Jesus, what would he start doing in us? What would we start looking like? And I uh, want to promote this book. This is something that the staff team here has put together. You can grab one of these out in the foyer, but these are study guides that are intended for us as a church to go through together. There are two studies per week, and so there are, for example, now four studies on this whole concept of enjoying God's presence. So the first trait we're talking about is that a follower of Jesus enjoys God's presence. And so you'll find some really rich things in here. There's also a memory verse for each of the weeks. And so the the idea is at the end of this study, there will be nine key Bible verses that you'll have committed to memory. So one way you could kind of bust each other is just when you run into somebody from Parkview, just go, hey, what's your verse this week? What's Psalm 1611? Or today it's going to be, what's John 15, 5? And so maybe you didn't know, you're like, the student's like, I didn't know this was going to be on the test. You know, like, I got to start studying this. Like, just, I encourage you to get in to this. You're going to find just some very good things. And again, if these nine traits could really get burrowed into our hearts and unite us as a church on all three campuses. We're just super excited for what God could be doing in our midst. So that's a quick plug for the DNA book, all right? So, so like I said, we're, this is week two of the trait enjoying God's presence, that a disciple, follower of Jesus, enjoys God's presence. We talked about this last week. Maybe the concept of enjoying God side by side is a foreign concept to some people. Like, how could I enjoy God? Maybe for some people, there's such a sense of, reverence that how could I possibly just enjoy? Like, shouldn't I just be somber and just quiet and reverent in his presence? How could I enjoy God's presence? Or for some people, maybe there's so much shame or so much guilt when you think of God, you would not think about being in, having enjoyment in his presence. You'd be afraid of being found out or exposed or just would assume that he doesn't want you there, okay? So maybe that's hard. And I think for more and more people in our culture today, like God is so irrelevant. Like, why would I enjoy God? Like, I'm gonna enjoy the Hawkeyes. I'm gonna enjoy the weather. I'm gonna enjoy biking. I'm gonna enjoy, but how do you enjoy God? Like, he doesn't, what does he really mean for my life today? Yet, you see throughout this scripture that we have a God who loves, who loves it when his people are in his presence. And one of the verses, if you've been tracking, you've got this one down. Psalm 1611 tells us that in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. Like we were created to know our creator, to walk with him, and to be so satisfied in him that his joy just fills us. A lot of times you'll hear that, that concept at a funeral. Well, he's in a better place. He's in fullness of joy. And those are true. But like that's true. That's meant to be true for us now and today as well. That being in God's presence today means we can be full of joy today. We can truly be a people who enjoy God's presence. And so what we're going to do today is look at an amazing passage in John 15. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and I want us to read it together. Just we're going to read 11 verses. So if you could stand up with me, we're going to read John 15 verses 1 to 11 together. Then I'll pray, then we'll dig into these verses, okay? So let's read them together. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. 
as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let me pray for us. Jesus, what an awesome way to just spend the last couple minutes just letting you speak directly to me, to your people. Thank you for your words. Now help us understand these. Help us be a people that just don't hear these amazing statements, but help us be a people that embrace them and live them out and just really get our heads and hearts around this concept that you're a God who wants us to enjoy your presence. So thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys can grab a seat. All right, so um, kind of the premise today is that Jesus invites you and me into a life-changing relationship. This is his invitation. He wants us to enjoy his presence. He wants us to enjoy this relationship. And so we have grabbed uh, a very, I think, essential teaching from the life of Jesus in John 15. The Gospel of John is one of the four stories of the life of Jesus. It was told by John, uh, one of Jesus' closest friends, when Jesus walked on the planet. And when John wrote his Gospel, he told us in John 20, 31, that the reason he wrote his Gospel so it would be so that we would know that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that we can have life in his name. That's why he wrote the book. And so that's why John 15 is there. And if you look at John 15, the exact context of what's going on, Jesus is having a meal with his closest friends, his teammates, his disciples. And he is telling them many things from John 13 to 17. And one of his basic messages is, guys, I'm leaving. Like I, and just this had to be just a staggering, astonishing time for these guys to hear Jesus, who's been with them for two and a half, three years, now preparing them because he's going to go. And shortly after this, Jesus is arrested, he's crucified, he's buried, raises three days later, spends 40 more days with this team, and then he ascends to heaven. So he's preparing them for his departure. And so in the midst of that, he, and I, I love that concept because that's kind of where we are this morning too. He's preparing them to stay close to him, even though physically he isn't going to be with them, all right? And so that's our story too. Like I see a lot of you guys around town. I haven't seen Jesus hanging with you. Like I haven't seen you and Jesus in the flesh walking around, right? So, so this is our story too. Jesus invites us to enjoy his presence, but he's not actually with us. How do we do this? Like we don't want this... We don't want Christianity or our faith to be just some abstract, out there thing. What Jesus is inviting them into is a very real, very close, very personal relationship, and it's going to change our lives. 
And so that's, that's what's going on here. And uh, right from the beginning, Jesus defines what this relationship looks like. My wife and I, for many years, had the privilege of working with students here, primarily high school kids. And so in the, in the course of year after year of just meeting with students, sometimes you'll notice like, like a guy and a gal from the group will start spending time together. And they'll start like giggling and smiling a lot when they're together. And then you'll see them sitting together and you'll see them. And so eventually, you know, Lori might be mentoring the gal and I might be mentoring the guy. And somewhere there you just go, so are you guys like hanging out now? Or are you guys like dating now? Are you guys like just friends now? Like what's the definition of your relationship? Or we used to even call it the DTR. Have you had the, the DTR, the defining the relationship talk? Like where are you guys in that? And we usually the guy that would need to be prodded. Like God, you got to put it out there. Like what do you, what's your intent for this relationship? Well, Jesus does that right here. He's going to invite us into a relationship with him and he's defining it for us. What's this relationship going to look like? And Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, all right? And so we pause there, and for us, that kind of like, oh, that's kind of nice, or I can kind of see that, I garden, that's kind of a nice picture. We need to understand how this felt. If you were one of Jesus' followers and you heard that statement, the first thing I think that overcame those guys was a sense of failure. You go, wait, failure, what? So if you look at the Old Testament, which I think a lot of these guys were really in tune with, um, there, there were times where God called his people uh, the vine or the vineyard. And whenever that was raised, it was raised to their shame. It was a, it was a topic that, that just reminded God's people of their failure. Because really in the Old Testament, God's intent was to pull a people aside to be his chosen people, to bless them. And then they... Through, through God blessing them, would be a blessing to all the nations around them. But when you see this, like in Psalm 80 or in Isaiah 5, there's several others where God refers to his vineyard or his vine. He refers to time where they didn't, they didn't hold up their end of the deal. They failed. Like they did not follow God. They did not obey God. And so to be called, to be reminded of vine and branches, these guys went, oh, no. Oh, no, it's like I got to play some high school football, and I really should have been a quarterback. It wasn't until I was senior year because I didn't like to be tackled. I just liked to throw. So, but a couple years, I had to play receiver, and so, like, I'd miss blocks because that wasn't what I was supposed to do. And on those game film days, I used to dread them. I'd play them over again. Schillinger, you missed the block. Like, they played again and over and over again. And so, like, for Jesus to bring up vine branches, they're like, oh. But Jesus says, you know what? That was the old design. There's a new design now where you're not the vine, I'm the vine. Like, so now there's a new plan, there's a new design where Jesus is the one who's gonna come and who's gonna give life. That Jesus is the one that's gonna, that's gonna run this now. Jesus is the one that's ultimately gonna produce the fruit. He's the vine, we're the branches. And you guys, just to pause there, that is the whole, that is a great synopsis of your relationship with God. Like you growing closer to God uh, you being fruitful for God is not about you. It's not about you like, oh, I just got to try harder. I just got to do better. I just got to, no, no, no. Jesus just kind of wipes that away and says, you know what? I want you to be really close to me and I'm going to be the vine. You're going to be the branches. Um, you probably, if you ever built a campfire in the woods, like what's the best thing? You look in the woods to find like dry sticks, right? All the broken up sticks. I used to love those because I'd always have the wood, but we'd have to find something like to kind of get the wood 
going. So cardboard works, but you also got to have sticks. And so you pick those up. But Jesus says, you know what? Let's just be honest. Apart from me, you guys are just a bunch of sticks. Like, let's just call it straight. And so I think the people could acknowledge that. I think we could acknowledge that. Because I'm probably talking to a room this morning of, of dads that if you think back at how you were as a dad, you're just going to be reminded of fail. Like, man, I, I wasn't the dad it could be. Or moms. Or maybe you as a friend to somebody. Or uh, just fill in the blank. Or even just when you think about God, how faithful have you been in following God? I think what could so easily overwhelm us is that sense of fail. And Jesus says, there's a new plan now. I'm divine. You're, you're a branch. Like, I know that. I know that apart from me, you're just going to be a stick. So, but you are a branch. I am the vine. And so it's a whole new paradigm, a whole new picture here. And so the next, the next concept, as Jesus defines the relationship, now he describes it. He says, so here's what I want our relationship to look like. I want you to just abide in me. I want you to, to stay close to me. In fact, if you look at that Greek word that is translated abide, some of you guys, I don't know what versions of the Bible you're reading, it seems like the, the, the versions are kind of split in half. Some will say abide, and some will say remain. And I think it's because when you look at how that word was used in the New Testament, it really was kind of cut right down the middle how it was used. Like the word abide in me could have meant just literally just stay. Like don't go anywhere, just, just remain here, just stay here with me. Don't go running off, don't look in other places, just stay here. That's about half the usages. The other half meant even more of a living, like dwelling, putting roots down, staying. And so you could use either one of those. I think you pack it, mash those together, and that's what Jesus wants. He says, I want you not just to come to me, but I just want you to stay with me. It's, it's, this is amazing. This is the Son of God. Again, not eye-rolling because you're in his presence, like, oh, no, I have to put up with him. I have to put up with her. No, his heart is, would you come and just stay close to me? I want you here, and then I want you to just put your roots down in me. I want, you, I want us to get closer and closer and closer. He wants us to abide together. That is astonishing again when you remember who it is that's saying that and when you remember who we are. He wants us to abide with him. In fact, nine times in those 11 verses that we just read, that concept of abiding is there. That's what Jesus wants. And that, that should blow you away. Like, who am I? That he wants to abide in me. It's who he is. He wants you to stay close to him. And, and so again, I love that as you look at this passage, you could just stop there and go, oh, I'll just abide in Jesus. Like, and so like, what do we need? I think we need a little traction in that. We need a little direction in that because that can be pretty vague. And so I see a couple things here. Jesus pulls us in even closer. Here's what I mean by abide. One is this concept of abiding in his word. Okay, how do I abide in Jesus? You'll see a couple times in here the concept of abiding in his word. Verse 3 we were introduced to this concept. Jesus said to his disciples, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. That's an amazing concept. And so, well, what's he talking about there? I think about throughout the book of John, remember Jesus has been identifying himself. And just in John 14, verse 6, so maybe a couple minutes before he was speaking these words, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's many other words he said about himself. I am the light of the world. Um, I uh, am the door. I am the good shepherd. And so Jesus is saying, as you have heard my teaching and what I've said, you've heard my word. Now, because you have believed my word, 
you are clean. Like you, you are, we're together. Like you, you, you are now my follower. Okay, so that is how crucial the words of Jesus are. This is how we begin a relationship with him. That's how we can even abide in him in the first place. Okay, so abiding in his word is crucial from the very start. But then as we grow and get closer to Jesus, this whole abiding concept comes to play too. Look at verse 7, where Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. And you're, some, some pastors have taken that concept and they just run with it, right? And just say, yeah, Jesus, kind of like your genie. Like you just rub the little, little genie jar or whatever that is, and the lamp, and then God will appear, Jesus will appear, and you just start busting out whatever it is that you want. And that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about when you are getting closer and closer to me, when you're abiding in me, and then you find yourself praying to me, the more and more you're in my word, the more and more we are going to be on the same page. Like the more and more the things that make your heart pound are going to be the things that make my heart pound. And as you cry out to me, you're going to find me saying, yes, like let's go, let's, let's do that. And so there's such a vital link in abiding in Jesus and abiding in his word. In fact, this next, it's kind of a next category, but we're going to pull abiding in the word into this category. Jesus also talks about abiding in his love, okay? Abiding in his love. I don't know the first time you read verse 9, or maybe reading on the screen earlier was your first time. But look at verse 9 again. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Like, just pause there for a second. Like, the greatest love that has ever existed is the love between God the Father and God the Son. Like, that's whatever you think great love is, it's nothing chump change, okay, compared to this love, God the Father loving his son. Now, Jesus said, with that same love I get from my Father, I love you. That, that should blow us away. Like, that should make knees buckle, arms tingle, whatever it does to you. But just like that you are loved by Jesus with the same love he is receiving from his Father. Like, he wants us to abide, not just abide in him generally, he wants us to abide in his love. But then look at verse 10, how it's going to bring the abide in his word into play. He said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So, in fact, let me just bring a couple more. These are from John 14. Again, so back up a few minutes in this conversation. Look what, he, look what Jesus said in John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Verse 23, if anybody loves me and keeps my word, uh, I'm sorry, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him. Look at the wording, and make our home with him. Like that's, a, that's a great description of, a, of abiding. Like So how do I abide in Jesus? Well, I need to know his words. I need to study these words. I need to put these words to practice in my life. And then, so abiding in his word, and you bring right alongside that, abiding in his love. That as I'm trying to understand his word, as I'm trying to put it to practice here, God says, we will come and we will show ourselves to you, Father and Son, and we will come to you and we will make our home with you. Like very practically, abiding in God's word and abiding in God's love. That's, that's a description of what Jesus wants uh, from us. And so um, I got in trouble last service because I just went freestyle from here because I just got a, 
we just got to talk about this for a little bit. Uh, I think if following Jesus, if Christianity was just a set of rules, was just another religion, like I was just supposed to be here on Sunday and kind of sing a couple songs and listen to some guy that sweats and rambles uh, and maybe had to serve a couple times a week and I had to give money for that. Like I, I think I might be the first one out in this room, okay? Like that, don't sign me up for that. Um, but if, if following Jesus means that every day of my life I can be in the presence of the creator God and know that he wants me there and that he's, he is ready to love me with the same love that he received from his father, Jesus wants me with him, uh, now you're talking, okay? Or that, um, that I can wake up tomorrow and that I can open a Bible and I can read some things and have those be the very words of God speaking to me, uh, truths and promises. Now you're talking. And um, I'm just going to try to explain what abiding in Jesus looks like for me. And I'm a very imperfect man, and there's better stories in this room than mine. But I just want to help us get beyond what it means to follow Jesus, okay? So, um, and it's way more than just coming here. It's way more than a religion. Uh, so, um, most days of the week, I'm going to spend some time opening my Bible. And then since I was a college, my, in college my freshman year at Iowa, in the fifth floor of the main library, I just started this routine. I think I had an 8.30 class and a 10.30 class. So at 9.30, I'd always just go up into the stacks on the fifth floor and just start opening my Bible. And I had a spiral notebook at that time. And now I've, I've advanced to moleskins, all right? So what I do is I just read some of the Bible and then I just write down, like, what did I see there? What did God say to me? And then that turns into the next page of just responding. And so sometimes it's praise or just gratitude, or sometimes I've just been shredded by what I just read. It's just like, God, help me. Um, but it's, very, it's just very, very relational, just, just me and God. And then maybe a page or so of just writing out what I need from him uh, from that time. I can promise you this. Like, when I die, if those are ever gathered, they will not be impressive to anybody. Like, they will not sell and make big money, and there will be no memoirs of Doug Schillinger. But I can tell you that when I look back through those, those are amazing uh, documents for me because I see, you know, 5, 10, 20 years ago, God was meeting with me. God was hearing my prayers. God was teaching me things. Guys, it's amazing. Since those early days, I've been to seminary and I've been a pastor and all this stuff. I'll tell you, some of the stuff God said to me in my college years before I had any training are just absolutely staggering. Because like, that's it's not it wasn't me, it wasn't education. It was just the God of the universe wanting to tell me things and wanting to teach me and wanting to encourage me and wanting to challenge me. Like that that's abiding. Um and so some other things I do, and again, there's other ways you can do this. Talk to other people. Talk in your community group when we talk about enjoying God's presence. What are some ways other people do this? Um, prayer is just massive too, you guys. And so part of my prayer life might be, you know, around the moleskin and writing things down. Um, I think some of the best moments of prayer, though, are just, just walking with him, especially this time of year. It's, it's great to get outside and just talk to him uh, about what's going on. Something I've started doing recently, uh, 
Because sometimes you get scattered when you're just trying to spend time with God and you're just trying to even go for a walk with God and your mind can just run to all kinds of things. Um, I've tried this little short sentence kind of thing, like God, you, and then blank, and fill in the blank with a verb, with an action that he does. And so what's been really just cool and encouraging to me in the last couple months is things like just walking with God and saying, God, you reign. God, you rule. God, you care. God, you listen. You know, God, you empower. You know, those, those kind of things just really help. And again, you might go through about 10 or 20 verbs and you're struggling for the next one and maybe about four or five in a row. Don't do anything to your heart, but then maybe just land on one that just blows you away. Like, God, why, why would you care? You know, why, why would you want to hear uh, what I'm saying? Why, why would you want to be that kind of God? And so... Um, Sorry, I just went freestyle, but I just want us to, to get beyond um, maybe what some of us think it means to abide in Jesus. It's, um, it's really meant to go throughout your week. It's meant to go throughout your day. And I think it's energized when you set aside time to make sure you get to talk, to make sure you get to hear from him. He gets to speak to you. But, but man, just if, you, if that's 10 minutes for you, if that was a half hour for you where it's just you and your Bible and you and your moleskin or you and your coffee shop, whatever you're doing, um, it's really intended to carry with you through the rest of your day. So again, if I could make a shameless plug for this, Thomas Hoke, by the way, wrote most of this, okay? There, of, the, of the four studies on enjoying God's presence, I would say two of them get at the very practical street level about how do you pray? Like, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? You're going to be pushed and stretched. And then the last one in that four set of four is so relevant to us. How do, you, how do you enjoy God's presence when you don't want to be there? Like, when you're just kind of cold or just kind of flat. Like, how do you get it going? Like, how do you get this relationship going? So I encourage you, if you don't have one, grab one. If you grabbed one and haven't looked at it yet, get your nose in there, and you're going to learn some really practical stuff because the God of the universe wants you to abide in his word and he wants you to abide in his love. Let me just throw out one other thing about abiding in his love. We are not designed to be, I, this phrase just came to me last hour, love dumpsters, okay? So I don't know where that came from, but you're not designed to be a love dumpster, like, like no, hashtag no love dumpster. Like, so what that means is like you were not designed by God for God to love Jesus, and then Jesus to pour the Father's love into you, and then it just stops there. Like, that's not how it works. Like, Jesus didn't do that. When the Father poured his love into Jesus, Jesus didn't hog it, right? He just poured it out. And so I think a really practical way that you abide in God's love is that you share God's love. Like, you're meant to, to give out what he gave you, and then you get more from him, and then you give out more. And so, uh, in fact, if you look at our passage, verses 12 to 17, that's his main thrust right there about loving one another or loving, loving others the way Jesus has loved us. And so if you want to abide in Jesus' love, you, you got to start involving other people. And so remember this whole, can I just back up, this whole vine and branches concept, it was not meant to be Jesus is the vine, you singular are the branch. Like all this is plural. Jesus is saying, I am the vine, all of you are branches. Like he's talking to his whole team and he's talking about the church this team is gonna launch. Like all of my people together are the branches. Like Jesus isn't, I mean, he loves you, but he really has this whole thing in mind. So you are part of this whole thing. And so 
we are not designed to receive the love of Jesus and then just hold it in like a dumpster. Like we're meant to pour it out with each other in community. That will help you abide in God's love. And so that's why like earlier when I said about 50% of Parkview is involved in community, that I celebrate that. But it also makes me sad because I think biblical community meeting with people on a regular basis is where that gives you a chance to pour your love out. And sometimes we think about sharing God's love. We might immediately run to the big things, like somebody's dying in the hospital. I'm going to go and pray with them. Or somebody, that's cool, okay? That's good. But sometimes the mundane of just giving up a night a week so that I can be with people, so I can listen to them, so I can I pray with them, um, that, some, something like that, that's harder. That just seems more and more mundane. But you look throughout the New Testament, that's what God is calling us to. It's not us, just us and Jesus, and we're not just this love dumpster. We're meant to, to pour out his love in, in community with others. And so, gosh, I was just, there's a couple places where that happens for me during the week. And there's a group of men that I meet with on Tuesday mornings that we had taken about six or eight weeks just kind of off. And when we regathered last Tuesday, instead of me just blasting in with, here's our next lesson, like we just intentionally just said, okay, what's God doing? Like, what, what, what are you excited about? And then what, what's, what's your biggest battle right now? Man, it just, it was like God grabbed me right here and said, Doug, this is why we do community. I mean, there was a guy saying, I'm here because my marriage is on the rocks and I need you guys to just keep pointing me to Jesus and I need you praying for me. And there was another guy who's been in the group for a couple years, just said, I'm here because I'm battling alcohol and this is where I find victory. You guys praying for me, you guys being with me. And just to a person, I think in both groups, we were just all reminded, like, this is why we meet. Like, there's power in listening and praying with and being with each other. And so abiding in Jesus' love means we do that together. We're collectively the branches. He's the vine. And we share his love with one another. That's why I'm going to just keep talking about biblical community. You've got to get into those places so that you can abide in the love of Jesus. All right? So, man, I've got to pick it up here. So here we go. So Jesus wants us to abide in him. He's fine. We're the branch. Uh, we abide in him by being in his word, obeying his word, and then by loving each other, all right? We abide in his love. And so now let's just talk about bearing fruit, okay? So how is this relationship put on display? It's put on display when we bear fruit, all right? So what's fruit? When you read the Bible, fruit means two things. It means character, and it means influence, it means that as you stay close to Jesus, he begins to change you, and you begin to look more and more like him. That's part of our DNA plan. We want to grow in Christ-likeness. We want to become more and more like Jesus. And so the fruit of the Spirit laid out in Galatians 5 is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like those are, those are the things that begin to emerge in our character as we abide in Jesus. He's the vine, we're the branch. And please know that that, me, that said fruit singular. That's not like, if it's like you say today, well, I'm growing in patience, but I stink at joy. It's like, okay, well, that's you working. Because if Jesus is working, like all nine of these are gonna grow in concert together. It's gonna be awesome. And so don't settle for your fruit. Let's lean into Jesus for his fruit. And so that's character. But you also see in the New Testament that when fruit is discussed, it talks about influence. It talks about God using you to help other people's lives change. And those two go hand in hand. Like if we're an absolute jerk, but we're talking a lot about Jesus, there's not going to be any influence, right? 
But the same is true that as we become more and more like Jesus and people start asking, where are you getting that? Like, how, how come you're changing? There's your chance to influence them, not to point them to you, but to point them to Jesus. And so those two things go hand in hand. And I look at this, maybe you noticed it too when we read through the passage. Talk about fruit, that we, if we abide in him, we will bear fruit. And so I, I believe from the moment you trust Jesus for who he is, you begin a relationship with him, he's beginning to bear fruit in you from that moment. And that is really cool. Like, so here's the big thing you got to remember about fruit is that fruit takes time, right? If you ever planted a garden with children in your midst and you put seeds in the ground and the next day they go, are the carrots ready? Are the beans ready? It's like, no, it's going to take some time. And so particularly when you talk about your own character, there may be so many stretches in your life. You go, why isn't it happening faster? Why aren't I, I want to be more patient. You know, like, why isn't that kind of stuff kicking in quicker? But, but fruit comes when you're abiding in Jesus. I love that fruit. Then maybe you saw the next phrase was more fruit. Okay, bearing more fruit. How do you bear more fruit? Maybe you picked that up when we read through and talked about pruning, all right? So that, that if we bear fruit, then God's going to prune us so that we'll bear more fruit. When I was a little kid, I was about eight, my dad planted a hundred trees, peaches and, and apples. And it was one of my first like jobs. I got paid for uh, picking up the sticks on the ground after he went and, um, and pruned the trees. But I remember the first time I saw my dad pruning these trees with these big old like, I just was scared. Like, dad, are you killing the trees? What are you doing? Because sometimes it look, would look pretty good, but then the ones he pruned are just like, just a few random sticks. It's like, what are you doing? And maybe I was mad too. It's like, you gave me more sticks to pick up. Like, just maybe just cut a couple off and I don't have to pick as many up. But I just remember him saying, like, no, this is going to help them produce more fruit. It's going to be better. And so maybe the same thing happens in our lives where you feel those shears in our lives as God is pruning you. It's like, oh, God, what are you doing? Like, that, that hurts. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And so, and so, but very faithfully in here, the Bible says that, that he will prune us and that we will bear more fruit. And so uh, following Jesus um, is hard. And there's times where in God's, he still filters in love, but God allows the hard things to come into our lives. There's a misconception out there. Have you ever heard, and I, I think I know where it's still going, but um, let's correct something. Like sometimes people say, God will never give you more than you can bear. Uh, if you look at that passage, it actually says, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But in any temptation, you don't have to sin. Like there's a way for you to endure that temptation. But if you talk about, is God going to give you things you can't handle? I'm going to say absolutely. Like if I look at everybody in the Bible who God used, were there really hard things that happened to them that they on their own could not handle? I'd say absolutely. And so, but did, did the ones that thrived during those times just lean in harder to God, like drop on their knees? Or like when Paul said, when I am weak, then I'm strong. Now you're talking. Like that's pruning. Pruning is God allowing the hard things to come into our lives so that we abide even harder than we did before we were pruned, okay? Maybe you don't have to think too far back, but I was doing this yesterday. When are the times that God pruned me? And a lot of times they can be physical things that happen to you. They can be relational things that happen to you. Um, sometimes it's your own failure, just your own stupidity. How did I do that? But yet God in his love, I looked at each of those and just thought about the fruit that he bore out of my life. And so I might be talking to some people this morning that you're feeling pruned. You're feeling like you're being 
pruned right now. Can I just tell you, these days are not wasted days. Like these are days where God in fresh ways is getting our attention so we look to him and that he provides even more and more for us. He becomes more and more our vine and we're reminded more and more that we're just a branch and we desperately need him. And so it's as we are pruned and as we stay and abide in the vine, then uh, we bear more fruit, okay? Fruit, more fruit. But there was two times the phrase much fruit came up. Did you notice that? John 15, 5, he's the vine, we're the branches. If we remain in him and he in us, we will bear much fruit. And then verse 8, it said this, um, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit and show yourselves to be my disciple. So believe in Jesus, he begins to produce fruit. We get pruned, we do more fruit. And after the pruning, when we abide even more in him, he produces much fruit in us. I was listening to a leadership podcast this week, and the leader there said, if you are not uh, wounded, you're not leading. <laughs> like, so if you're leading, you will be wounded. And so, um, but in, in God's grace, your, your wounding is not wasted. He uses that to make you bear more fruit so that as you abide, you bear much fruit. I just want to encourage you guys. Like, um, I'm not sure we're always aware of fruit that's going on. In fact, I'm absolutely sure you're not aware. Um, but what's really cool, in fact, if I asked a lot of you, even some of you guys that have walked with Jesus for many years, I'd say, would you say there's been much fruit from your life? I think you're just, uh, my default would immediately go to, no, I haven't done what I could, or I haven't been as faithful as I could. I just think we take Jesus up at his word in John 15, as you faithfully stay with him, abide in him, I think at the end of your day, at the end of your life, you're going to look back and you're just going to see so many small conversations you didn't realize helped somebody start following Jesus or helped somebody trust Jesus more. The much fruit promise really says nothing about us, but it says everything about the vine. And how cool, how cool is that going to be for so many of you when, when you are with Jesus in eternity and he just shows you the much fruit. Like it's going to blow you away. But you're, at the same time, you're going to remember, man, I was just a stinking branch. Like all I did was, was stay close to you, Jesus, so look what you did through me. And that's the relationship that Jesus is inviting you into. He wants you to enjoy his presence uh, so that he bears much fruit through you. So one of the bummers about living in Iowa City is that we uh, can be kind of a transient place. And so at the office and, and our office staff, uh, we, we are going to see Kelly, who's been one of our amazing admins, move away. And her husband, Alex, has been off the charts too, Alex and Kelly. And so Friday, we gathered in the office, kind of like a send-away party. And uh, I just love what, what Kelly, Kelly, from the get-go, was the person that was very real. Like, she doesn't pretend. She just puts it right out there. So, but she told us that three years ago, Alex and I came into this church, and our marriage was a wreck. Kelly said for her personally, she was working way too many hours. She was not a good mom. Her life was spinning out of control. And then she started working here. <laughs> she looked at us and said, you guys are all really different. Like there's just, I look at this team and there's amazing, like just it's amazing you guys all get along here. This year's so different. But what I see is that every one of you is following Jesus together. And she said, and that has changed my life. That has changed my marriage. And it's a beautiful statement. Alex would say the same thing about a group of men that he got around. So what we saw God do in their lives over the last three years was to, re was to regain a marriage, restore a marriage. And then if you know their story the last year, year and a half or so, God has used Alex and Kelly to help rescue other marriages and, and reach out to other people. 
So as they move to Ankeny now, they're a whole different group, they're a whole different couple. Saying, now how can God use us there to help us, other people find life change through Jesus Christ, all right? So I just say that, not to pat our office staff on the back, but really the office staff is kind of like a reflection of this church. You look around this church, we're a bunch of branches. We look really different. Like some of us are into so many different things and we're different ages and different backgrounds. But just if every one of us continues to abide in Jesus, then the question you gotta ask is who's next, right? God brought Alex and Kelly here. God changed their lives by the grace of God. Like who's next? Who does God wanna bring into this midst to be part of a community of people, a bunch of branches who are just abiding to Jesus so that he can change our lives? Like that, that excites me. And may we be that kind of church that on three different campuses in one of the least Bible-minded cities in the country that God would do a work that God would transform lives. It would be all him. He's the vine. We're just a bunch of stinking branches, right? But when we abide in him, he does amazing things. Let me pray. Let me pray for us. And actually, let me just let you go first. And um, let me just pause on that. When Jesus said, he is the vine and you're a branch, what do you need from the vine this morning? Let me just back off and let you talk directly to Jesus What do you need from Jesus this morning? He's the vine. You're a branch. What do you need? And then could you pray for us? Could you just pray for us as a church that we would be faithful branches, that whoever it is God wants to bring in next, whoever it is God wants us to reach out to next, that we would just faithfully as as a church, as one body, as one team, that we would pursue Jesus together. Could you pray for us? Jesus, you're amazing. Thank you that you want us close. You want us to abide. May you be the vine. Would you pour your life into us? May we bear fruit. May we bear much fruit, uh, all for your glory. Jesus, may more and more people see how amazing and how awesome you are. In your great name we pray, amen.